Okay, Matthew 23, I'm going to start in verse 16 and read through to uh, verse 28. It says, Woe unto you, ye blind guides, which say, Whosoever shall swear by the temple, it is nothing. But whosoever shall swear by the gold of the temple, he is a debtor. Ye fools and blind, for whether is greater, the gold or the, or the temple that sanctifieth the gold. And whosoever shall swear by the altar, it is nothing. But whosoever sweareth by the gift that is upon it, he is guilty. Ye fools and blind, for whether is greater, the gift or the altar that sanctifieth the gift. Whoso therefore shall swear by the altar, sweareth by it and by all things thereon. And whoso shall swear by the temple, sweareth by it and by him that dwelleth therein. And he that shall swear by heaven, sweareth by the throne of God, and by him that sitteth thereon. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For ye pay tithe of mint and anise and cumin, and have omitted the weightier matters of the law, judgment, mercy, and faith. These ought ye to have done, and not to leave the other undone. Ye blind guides, which strain at a gnat, and swallow a camel, Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you make clean the outside of the cup and of the platter, but within they are full of extortion and excess. Thou blind Pharisee, cleanse first that which is within the cup and platter, that the outside of them may be clean also. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for ye are like unto whited sepulchres, which indeed appear beautiful outward, but are within full of dead men's bones and of all uncleanness. Even so ye also outwardly appear righteous unto men, but within you are full of hypocrisy and iniquity. Let us pray. Lord, as we look at this passage, I just ask that you would um, just guide my thoughts, um, my words, Lord, that I would be speaking truth, and the things that I say would be helpful this morning, um, that we would be drawn closer to you through this time. Um, so Lord, we just, again, we commit the time to you, asking for you to, to help, to lead, and to guide. In Christ's name, amen. This week I was out for breakfast with um, another pastor in town, and we're sitting there chatting at the table and there happens to be two other pastors sitting at the next table over. And so as we were finishing up our breakfast, the other two were getting up to leave as well. And as they stopped by, we just went by the table that we start chatting a little bit. And the one pastor is just filling in as an interim pastor for for a church and just asking how things are going and he says well some people are pretty upset by his preaching some were complaining that at Easter he had read Isaiah 53 that he just read it he didn't even preach about it but it shows Christ crucified and his suffering for our sin and they weren't happy that he read that about Christ. They don't like that picture 
Christ, his shedding of his blood for, for sin. They're upset that he has preached about sin on numerous occasions. So he's struggling, <laughs> to say the least. But he said, he recently had one of the church members come up to him with a problem that they didn't know what to do with. This guy's a, he's much better suited for where he is than what I would be. He's, <laughs> he's very gracious in, he's, he's, he's got grace in what he's saying um, and his approach. And, and he's approachable and people are actually willing to come to him and discuss these things. You guys are pretty good with that with me too, but I don't know. I don't feel like I would fit there that well. Anyway, he, he had a, a member come up to him with this problem that they didn't, didn't understand what to do with this dilemma that was in their head. Because they were reading their Bible and they're reading in the Gospels. And they're seeing that Jesus sometimes sounds very harsh in the Gospels. But I know he isn't, <laughs> was the dilemma. He sounds harsh when I read this, but I, everything I've ever been taught and thought about this Jesus tells me that that's not the case. And he's like, <laughs> this is where we're at. But look at that picture, is that the person's reading the Bible, <laughs> and they're starting to see that what I've been saying the last few weeks, like this isn't the, the Jesus that our, our world or Christianity as a whole has been pushing for a long time now is this very friendly, um, kind and gentle and loving Jesus that they've been taught about. He's actually a very, he's, he's a bit of a redneck like, like most of us. He was a carpenter. He's got rough hands and he's got muscles on his body and he's rather confrontational. <laughs> and he's very condemning to people that teach false doctrines. <laughs> that is actually who Jesus was. He's a real man with real. <laughs> when, when people think of Jesus in that kind and gentle and loving and would, would do no harm and wouldn't say a mean thing to anybody. They're, th they're picturing when he says, let the children come unto me. But they're forgetting about the verse that says, woe to him that harms one of these children because a millstone should be cast about his neck and he tossed into the sea. They don't seem to read the rest of the story about who this Jesus is. Jesus wants to cast, <laughs> like there's a judgment aspect of Jesus. He's willing to judge. I, even earlier, I said something about being judgmental. I don't even know the context of it. I, I know I said the word. We, as Christians, we can be judgmental, and that is wrong. But we are supposed to judge based on the truth of Scripture, whether something is right or wrong. You can study your, your Bible, and it's very clear that we are given that authority, so to speak, to look at the scripture, and we can discern what's right and wrong, and we can judge those things, and we can look at someone's life and say, hey, 
you ought not to be doing that, or you need to change and do this. We can do those things. We can judge these things, which is different than just sitting up here thinking I'm better than everybody and being judgmental that they're not good enough and, and I am. There's a difference there, right? Now, there's a lot of churches like that church. There's this, it's a religious system that makes people, the whole purpose is to make people feel better about themselves. And most of the preaching is designed to lift people up and make them feel good about themselves and to think positively and that you'll have a better life based on this religion. And that's not what the Bible promises when we come to Christ. He promises that if they treated him with the cross, we can expect to be treated in a similar manner than that. I've been listening... As, I, as I'm studying, um, I'll, I'll research online and I'll listen to or read or listen to, to various preachers on these various topics that I'm studying. And, and every once in a while, like, I'll, I'll come across somebody and I like either their style or, or what they had to say about what's this topic or that topic. And you start listening to more of their stuff. And it seems... Not invariably. Um, there's one guy that hasn't yet done this. But a lot of them tend to go down this road of start pointing out, naming other preachers, and telling you everything that's wrong with everybody else. Just like I just did. Right? There's a place for that. Scripture tells us to watch for false teachers. It tells pastors to warn the people of false teachers to, to be careful of those things. We're supposed to do that kind of stuff, but the last couple weeks, I think, I don't know which, which weeks is exactly, but I've turned to that passage, um, Mark 8, Luke 18, whatever it is, with the Pharisee and the publican praying and the Pharisees, I thank you that I'm not like other men. That's really what that starts to, to look like, isn't it? And that becomes this judgmental appearance of, I, I'm so glad that I have it all figured out <laughs> and that I'm not like those other people. Watch out for them. Only listen to me. And we need to be careful of that. So I'm not trying to just say, hey, you need to come here and only listen here. There, there's some warnings to be had in what is being taught elsewhere. But when we're looking at a, a passage like this one in Matthew 23, we're seeing some things in here. Jesus is pretty harsh, pretty judgmental of he's judging what these people are, are doing and teaching, right? And he's got an issue with this and he deals with it. One of the things that I, I've, I've been watching is like, people point out the person and call the person and just condemn the, the whole person or the whole ministry. Um, 
just because of one issue that they have with something that they taught, I can guarantee that everybody here at some point or another is going to disagree with something that I teach at some point. We will not agree on everything. It's impossible. And so do we just pack up and move on because Clayton's a heretic because he preached this thing? And I don't believe that thing, so I, I can't go listen to that guy. Either. Well, that's, we, we can be careful with that, right? We're all going to have some differences of opinion, and we can't all be right. Somebody's wrong. And, of course, I think I'm right, and I think you're wrong. But you're going to think that you're right, and I'm wrong. So what do we do with it? Well, it depends on the seriousness of the issue, right? <laughs> Jesus is dealing with some things here. My point was, I listened, I, one particular guy, and I, he's a nobody, I've never heard of the guy. And I've actually never heard of the other two people that I have recently listened to a bit of. But this one guy is calling both of these guys false teachers and heretics. They teach 90% the same thing. <laughs> they agree in almost every area, but he's nitpicking this one little area of their ministries is like, I don't know what's wrong. <laughs> why, why do we need to make it? You, okay, point out that one thing and say, hey, I think there's a here. And we can do that. We can say, like, look, there's something wrong here. We need to watch for that thing. It doesn't necessarily write off the, the whole ministry, the whole person. Right, I'm off on a tangent. Um, we get into this passage now. And it's woe unto you. And who shall, and, and you say, so Jesus is going to, this is what you say. This is what you're teaching. And I'm going to address this thing that you're teaching. You say, whosoever shall swear by the temple, it's nothing. But if you swear by the gold of the temple, he's a debtor. You fools and blind, whether it's greater, gold of the temple that sanctifieth the gold. And you swear by the altar, it's nothing. But if you swear by the gift, he's guilty. And Jesus corrects that. He says, what's greater, the gift or the altar that sanctifies the gift? So if you swear by the altar, you're swearing by everything that goes on to the altar as well. And he's just kind of correcting the thinking of what they're doing here. These guys, and, and then when we go on, and I, I connected these next couple of woes to this one. Because it all seems, in my, in my mind at least, they really tie together. Because he starts into this part of the, you're like a whited sepulcher. You're like a tomb that's all decorated. And you go, to, you go down to um, Oliver Road and whatever the other one there is, where that big cemetery is. And there's these big nice slabs of rock and they're polished and nicely engraved and you got these I don't statues <laughs> right like the, these nice carved things and it's all beautiful and he's pointing like that's you and those things when you open the door it's not so nice anymore it's full of dead men's bones it's full of rot and decay and death and that's you is the 
you look like this super spiritual religious person, but inside it's death. <laughs> um, Paul, in 2 Timothy chapter 3, says very similar thing, describing people in churches. says in chapter 3, verse 5, 2 Timothy, it says, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof, from such, turn away. There's a bit of a description of what they're like. <laughs> but the key in here is that they have a form of godliness. They're religious. They look like Christians. When we look at this church that I described, People there, they dress nice, they talk nice, they talk about God, they talk about Jesus. They live a pretty clean life. They do nice things for people, they try to love their neighbors, and so they feed the hungry and clothe the poor, and they, they try to be good citizens. They do all the nice things and they will point you to Jesus says, love your neighbor. And this is like the, the most godly thing you can do because it's the second most important commandment, right? It's to love your neighbor as yourself. And so we do things to show love to our neighbors. They look very spiritual. They look very religious. But if they're not willing to examine themselves, and see, and even talk about sin, and the penalty for sin is death, and there's a judgment, there's an eternal lake of fire waiting as judgment for those who don't come to Christ, and it's because of our sin. And if you're not willing to even talk about that issue, all of your religious acts, all of your good deeds... It's, a, it's, it's just, it's a whitewashed tomb. It's nice on the outside, but it's full of death because there is no salvation in any of that. We need to be careful of where we put our emphasis. It needs to be on Christ and his death on the cross as payment for sin, not in what we do outwardly. What we do outwardly is important, but it's not of the utmost importance. It's what we do with Christ is, is what's of utmost importance. But maybe instead of talking about some other church down the road and what's wrong with that church and what's wrong with the people in that church, Maybe we should be looking at this and looking at our own selves. Maybe we should look at our own church, look at our own hearts. Is this, is this talking about us? It's so nice to talk about somebody else, isn't it? It's nice for me to stand here and talk about what's wrong with those other guys down the road at this other church. It's not so nice for me to get up here and talk about what's wrong with this church, what's wrong with me, and what's wrong with you. 
right? That's not so nice, but that's really what we need to do with these passages. All this talk about what's wrong with somebody else doesn't do me any good. Doesn't, me ta- telling you what's wrong with what everybody else is doing doesn't do you any good. It does exactly what I said that they're doing. It makes you feel better about yourself, but it doesn't improve you at all, does it? We need to examine ourselves. And so we need to stop looking at what's wrong with everybody else. And I've done this for years. I'll sit under a preacher and listen to his preaching, and he's talking about some issue. And I've got some person in mind that needs to hear that message. Right? We, don't, we do that, don't we? We think of who else needs to hear this message that's being preached. And we need to stop doing that. There's a time and a place to, to judge these things. But we need to spend our attention judging ourselves. We need to turn inward and see, is this talking about me? Do I fit? Am I the whitewashed sepulcher? Am I full of dead men's bones? He's talking about, is it me that he's talking about? We need to look at it that way. If we read that again and look inward a little bit, let's examine ourselves just a little bit here. Woe unto you blind guides, which say, Whosoever shall swear by the temple, it is nothing. But whosoever shall swear by the gold of the temple, he is a debtor. You fools and blind, for whether is greater, the gold or the temple that sanctifieth the gold. And he gets into this thing with the altar. He's just talking about, we don't do that, right? Like, we don't talk about the altar and, and swearing by the, but I've heard, so if, if, you know, my mother has passed away and she's long buried and I could, whether it's I'm making a promise to do something or if I'm making a, a statement of this is a fact and I'm, I swear I'm not lying to you. And we might make a statement like I swear on my mother's grave, right? Like that that has some foundation and it means something if I swear on my mother's grave. So whether it's a I'm telling the truth and I swear that this is the truth or whether it's a I swear I will do this or I swear I will stop doing this, we sometimes connect that. And you go to court, they tell you to put your hand on the Bible and swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, nothing but, right? As if doing, putting my hand on the Bible makes me hold, like actually do what I'm saying I will do. That that oath has more weight to it because I put my hand on the Bible when I said it. Is it a fact? Does that work? Well, I don't know. Jesus is kind of telling us not to do any of that. <laughs> and they're, these guys, he's dealing with this issue of, you know, you're putting the, if you swear on this part of the, the thing, that holds more weight than on this part. And Jesus is like, this whole thing is God's house. <laughs> this is like where your sin and the offering gets offered up and the smoke of that comes up to heaven. And 
the whole thing is important. English people don't do this, but um, if you've been around, anyone have this experience? When you're learning a new language, the first thing they want to teach you is how to swear in that language, right? And so I, I was when I was before I met Jen, I was guiding dog sledding, and the I lived with the, the couple that ran the, the outfit, and and she was French, and so not that she was teaching me how to swear in French, but that, that's really what I picked up was. <laughs> how to swear in French. That's, that's what comes out a lot. But she made the comment that French people, the French, especially French Canadians, there's a lot of Catholic influence in that, in that whole culture. And almost all of their swear words are tied somehow into the church, the Catholic church. And so, you know, we don't have any of that stuff that they're talking about, but they, they, all the little things that have to do with how the Catholics do their service and the different parts of it, they use each of those things as a swear word. <laughs> now, the question is, that's kind of the opposite, right? I'm talking about making an oath, swearing, but you know, using it as a curse. Like, there's the, same, the same connotation is there as where's the connection to God in, in these things and where's, where's the weight of this? Is there importance in the cup, right? The call is. And if I'm using that cup as a curse word, or if I'm making an oath on, you know, I swear by the altar that I'll, right? Like we do these things, we say these things. Where's the weight in that? And here's something to think about Is God in that thing? In the Old Testament, when Jesus is here, God actually dwelt <laughs> in the temple. God worked through the altar and the sacrifices. There was God connected to those things, those physical things that had a connection to God. And Jesus points out those connections here. Does this building that we're sitting in, does God live here? Is, is God more here than he is anywhere else that we might meet? No. I've, I've even at the Bible camp, like they had the, the separate room, the, the chapel. I don't remember uh, kids are running through and playing and stuff. And, and somebody was like, oh, that's the tabernacle or the, the, the chapel. Like, you can't do that. And people have that attitude, like, in the, the sanctuary. Don't play in the sanctuary. Hang on a second. Is this where God lives? Is God in this wooden box? God's not in this box. We can't put him in a box. He says, where two or three are gathered, there I am. God's not... There's nothing in this building has any... There's, God's not in it. This is just stuff. And we just, this is just a convenient place for us to gather because I don't think anybody in this room has a house big enough for all of us to sit around and, and do this in, right? <laughs> don't put so much value in this stuff. Don't, 
turn your worship towards the building and towards... I don't, I don't mean to criticize. Like here, I'm going to point out an issue with it. Churches, certain churches will, will do like an altar call. Why do we call it that? This thing I'm standing on is not an altar. <laughs> and if I was to do an altar call at the end of the service and invite people to come forward to... Is there any value in you coming forward and kneeling here as opposed to you just sitting in your pew or going to your car and praying that same prayer? Is there any difference in any of that? There's not. <laughs> this platform does not make you closer to God when you come and pray here. And so I don't call you to come and pray here because this platform has nothing to do with being close to God. This building has nothing to do with being close to God. We need to understand God's not limited by this stuff. Do, do we put too much emphasis on our building and on our things and the system of how we do church? This stuff might all be taken away from us one of these days. And some people are going to be very upset that we can't gather in the place and with the, and we don't have much for fancy stuff, but you know what I mean. <laughs> These fancy buildings with the nice things. Um, we were going to Grace Church in town, and there's this incredible chandelier. And what do we have? We got these, these rows like this, and there's a chandelier's there, and it kind of, it's over an aisle, and nobody sits in that little section <laughs> on those pews, right? Because this giant thing is over the head. You're <laughs> scared to sit under this thing. But it's beautiful. There's only two of them in the whole world. Is, that, is there something more holy about that special chandelier that was made for this church by some craft? No, God's not in that thing. <laughs> it's just a decoration. We just All this stuff is just... It's the stuff, guys. We need to look at where God actually is. Um, you know what the Bible says? It says, you are the temple of the Holy Ghost. He's in you. <laughs> That's where God lives in this world at this time. It's in us. Not in the things and the stuff and the places. It's in you. When you so making a big deal over stuff is pointless and it becomes idolatry. So we need to be careful of those kinds of things. And when he carries on, he says, you pay tithe of mint and anise and cumin and have omitted the weightier matters of the law. Judgment. Judgment. <laughs> weightier matters of the law is judgment. We're supposed to judge. But the next one is mercy. <laughs> Judgment and mercy together there, right? These are the things, and we need to balance those things very carefully. And faith. These ought you to have done. And he says, and not leave the other undone. You know, you're still supposed to give, and you know, you're still supposed to love your neighbor. We're still supposed to serve our communities and 
feed the hungry, house the poor, and, and do all those things. We're supposed to do those things. So when I criticize a church that that's their focus, I'm not saying they shouldn't do it. I'm saying that they're putting too much emphasis on what they're doing and not enough emphasis on what Christ has done for them. And if you're not giving the gospel and confronting sin in someone's life, when you feed them and they carry on lost in their sin, they're still going to hell and you've done no good at all and you have not loved your neighbor in doing that. We need to also give the gospel as we're doing these things. We just can't... Don't... You need to focus on the weightier matters of law, but it says don't leave the other stuff undone either because that's also important. <laughs> the gospel is of utmost importance, but do the other stuff too. Live the way that the, Jesus taught to live. Do the things that he taught to do. Do both. <laughs> and then verse 25, he says, Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, you hypocrites, for you make clean the outside of the cup, into the platter, but within they are full of extortion and excess. Make clean the outside. Like, that's that religious. I'm religious, right? I go to church on Sunday and, you know, I, I, I don't go out drinking and I don't do this and I don't do that. And I, you know, I, we, we have this clean looking life and we, we're religious. I'm a Christian. I talk about this. I talk about Jesus. I talk about God. And, I don't swear and I don't... We have this list of things that we don't do. But that's just the show for what people are going to see. But what's in your heart? What's your attitude towards other people? What's in your, what, what goes through your head when someone cuts you off on the road? It didn't happen this morning, thankfully, but... I was driving behind my son coming to church a few weeks back. And I was so furious. Like, he just, he's like a grandma driving. Like, <laughs> find the gas pedal already. <laughs> right? <laughs> I'm glad he's like that. I'm not worried about the car getting smashed up. But, but it's just, that's our attitude. Is like, where's your heart when, when the circumstance in life goes not quite the way that you'd like? That really reveals a lot about us, doesn't it? I'm on my way to church, and I'm going to preach a sermon, but here I am trying to bite my tongue about the person driving in front of me on the way here, because the speed limit's 80, people. Why are we going 79? Should be going 91. <laughs> That's how, what we're like. We get so upset over stupid things, and then we talk about people, right? And we, we come to church, and... So-and-so said this, and you know, so-and-so believes this. And then we go to our Bible study group over here, and, and we talk about those people and the, all the things that they think and say and do. And, right? We're, we're, we're the Bible study group. Where's everybody else? <laughs> Sorry, guys. I'm not picking on <laughs> But we can be like that, right? It's like, well, I'm coming to church this many times in the week, and I'm doing this, and I'm doing that. And it's this outward expression, and it, it's not that it's wrong to have that outward things, but where's our heart in it? And are we judging other people who, the, the family that, what do we do with our kids that are supposed to be in bed before the Bible study is over? Or that I, the guy that just got home from a, a hard day of work and doesn't even have time to get a meal in 
before you would have to leave the host to go to the spot. Like, careful how we judge what other people are or aren't doing, right? We don't know all the circumstances of people's lives and everything that goes on there. It's not for us to judge that, but that's, where's our heart in those things? What's our attitude towards other people as we look at what they're doing? Are we talking, are we gossiping, are we, right? Are we bitter about people? I'd hate to bring this up, but it wasn't that long ago that this church, as well as every other church in the area, had people leave the church over issues of did you get vaccinated or did you wear a mask or... And people, like, it's not just a matter of we can't just leave well enough alone, right? And if you want to wear it or if you don't feel comfortable coming or whatever, it's fine. But people get, like, rate judgmental and create this division where there was no need for division. Like, people, you're here. <laughs> Some of you are here because... You just couldn't be in whatever that church was and the attitudes towards you for whatever your choices were, right? And people left here for those same reasons or because they couldn't stand your choices. We need to be careful of that. Let's not be so harsh. Like, let God convict you and you stand in your conviction over this thing. If you can find scripture that says, <laughs> thou shalt not wear a mask, Okay, well, maybe you can start being telling people maybe you shouldn't be wearing that. But if if you can't find a scripture that, <laughs> and I'm pretty sure you can't, let people wear a mask if they want to wear a mask. <laughs> I, I, I'm I'm guilty here. I go to town and I'm like, look at that crazy person driving the cart by themselves, and their mask is still on their face, <laughs> right? And you think not nice thoughts about the person. That's not right. It's not right in our heart to be like that. Look at ourselves when we're looking at these verses. Look a little deeper. Am I guilty of, I look like a good Christian on the outside, but really what's going on in here? What's going on up here when I look around at other people? Oh, thank you. <laughs> you said it. <laughs> right? I'm talking about us. We need to, to be careful of that. Right? We need to be careful of that. Jesus, he says, they're full of extortion and excess. Are you full of excess? I don't know about extortion. Excess is like, how much stuff do you have? Do you have more than you need? <laughs> how much coffee do you drink? <laughs> we were talking the other week, and I've, I've done this, but if you don't have your coffee in the morning, what happens? Does, does your head like feel like it's going to explode because the pain is unbearable? I had that. I remember I was drinking so much coffee and 
I would drink it throughout the entire day, right into the evening. And I got up one morning, and my head was killing me. I was like, oh, I didn't drink any coffee from like lunchtime on yesterday. And I made the connection that that headache was a result of a lack of coffee. You're dependent on that thing, buddy. <laughs> I backed right off of that coffee until that headache was no longer an issue. And I, yeah, I drink coffee. If you know me, you know, I'll drink coffee any time of day, any, <laughs> any day of the week. But I, but I realized that I need to limit that to the point where I'm not dependent on it. I need to be able to get up in the morning and go and do something if it needs to be done and not be suffering because I didn't have a cup of coffee first, right? It's, it's an excess. We do this stuff. I, I can talk about me and all the excess things that I, that I like. <laughs> I love chocolate. I like ice cream, right? I, I, there's a lot of things that's nice things. And I like new tools and I like, <laughs> right? Like we could just keep going on over this stuff of the things and it's, it's, it's excess. Do we need some of this stuff that we have? Do we need another, you name it, whatever the next thing that you buy, is it another? <laughs> Do you need it? We have so much, it's just ridiculous. And yet, Jesus is like, you're full of extortion and excess. Like, here we are hustling, trying to... Do I, I've had customers that I give them, I, I gave everybody a great deal as far as pricing when I'm working on their cars. And this one guy, he would come in and no matter what price he gave him, he would want to haggle. And I, I never did learn the lesson of up the price first, right? <laughs> But he would make me so angry because he's, it's, it's like extortion. Like he's trying to get this car fixed for this ridiculously low price. And I've put, you're standing there the whole time I'm working on it. You saw how much time and you see the hourly rate here. Like how can I give you, I can't even pay the bills with what you're offering to pay for this job. I got so angry one time. I was about to punch the guy in the face. Because <laughs> I just, he didn't, Right? And it was like extort but like we can be guilty the other way. Like there's Christians that haggle so much. It's like, why don't you just pay what the thing's worth? <laughs> why? Why do you gotta you know, some of us just gotta get a good deal and we gotta get the best deal we can and it doesn't matter if I can afford it or right? Just like that. I don't know. We need to maybe we need to examine ourselves and see if, if we should be living like that. We need to examine ourselves. Are these verses talking about us, right? Do they describe us and our hearts? Let's pray. Lord, as we look at these things, um, it's so much nicer to, to point out what's wrong with someone else, someone, someone down the street, some other church, some other preacher, some other person. But the whole point of the scripture is there for us to examine ourselves, Lord. Help us to do that. Help us to be honest. And help us be willing to make changes in our lives, to, to deal with these attitudes as we become aware of them, Lord. So Lord, we just ask that you would 
work in each one of us. Help us in these areas. We bring this in Christ's name.